Kings of the Podcast, episode 151. John Holvin, Dennis Bernstein coming to you live from Los Angeles. And DB, it's been an eventful week. Uh, one week ago, we did the pre-trade episode of Kings of the Podcast. It is now time to do the post-trade deadline episode of Kings of the Podcast. How are you feeling? How are you holding up, DB? Well, you know, it's about drink of choice. Usually drink of choice is umbrella drink. But today, this week, definitely Red Bull. <laughs> Without question, Red Bull. A whole refrigerator full of Red Bull. So there we go. What kind of Red Bull guy are you, by? You know, for all the years that you even worked at Red Bull, we never talked about this. Are you like a straight up Red Bull? You do like a cranberry? Like, what's your what's your deal with Red Bull? What flavor do you you prefer? Yeah, I like the flavors, like the yellow and uh, mostly the yellow, Uh, orange. When it had uh, sugar free orange, but I'm a sugar free Red Bull guy. So when I go out Panyota, wherever we are on the road. The first we kick it off with a sugar-free Red Bull and vodka. So that I'm and my refrigerator most it has like one can of regular Red Bull, which I really don't like. I love the sugar-free. All right. So the one can is just like break the glass in case of emergency type thing. Yes. If I'm down to <laughs> okay. one, I might go to that one. We'll see. But fair enough. They have to be extenuating circumstances, John. Well, um, I, I'm more ready for about six Jack and Cokes than I am for a Red Bull, considering the week that we have had. A lot of surprises, a lot of swerves. Some things laid up the way that we expected. We're going to break it all down tonight. We're going to try to bring closure for the people that are upset about the Jonathan Quick trade. We'll try to explain. We will offer information. We will offer one of our favorite sure. words on Kings of the Podcast. We will offer context and try to take people through it. At the end of the day, DB, it's up to the Kings fans, the hockey fans in general, to either accept the information uh, or to continue to spin some of the conspiracy theories that are out there, uh, if that's the right word, or, or or just in general, if they want to choose to be disgruntled and, and, and not accept certain facts, then that's okay too. So it's up to them. I want to share this with you, though, to get the program started today. We're going to... Uh, In the first period, we're going to talk a lot about Jonathan Quick. In the second period, we will probably talk a lot about the two or three acquisitions that happened earlier in the week. And in the third period, we will talk more about the acquisitions that took place on Friday, as well as the Kings play in the game against Montreal, and then uh, take a look at their upcoming schedule. That's the way we're laying the agenda up, but we'll see how it all plays out. You and I, at times, tend to uh, go off in our own direction, so we'll see where it takes us. But I wanted to start with this. Because you asked me, you you made me promise that I was going to keep it for the podcast. So here it is. I'm a numerology guy, DB. How about some numerology to kick this off? 
Let's do Kings. it, Jay. I know what you the, got. I know what you got. Go ahead. This is a gold, golden nugget that was sent over from one of our Twitter followers. The The Kings won 3-2 on 3-2 on the first game without 32. That's a lot of 3-2s all wrapped up into one. So, yes, they defeated the Montreal Canadiens 3-2 on March 2nd. First game without 32. Uh, that's amazing, DB. I love that kind of stuff. That's that's pretty fantastic. Oh yeah, when you told me that post game, I'm like, oh, tag it, save it, rack it. Let's go. <laughs> Got to don't forget that one. You can forget the other stuff, but uh, don't yeah. forget that one. That, that's a that's a that's ominous, John. Without question, it is. Um, I I, I want to hopefully remember to share some favorite Jonathan Quick memories. Um, but first, just want to go through the trade, uh, uh, sort of breaking it all down, DB. I think we can acknowledge right up front, the Kings could have handled this better. And I think that that's an honest admission. As a perfectionist, as somebody who tries to do things the right way, DB, reflection is important, right? No matter what you do. I, I reflect on our episodes. You, It's funny. People don't even know that the, the, the post-episode conversations that we, oh, Dennis, I like the way we, we asked this question. We should have done this differently. Right. That's reflection. And how can sure. we get better? The Dean Lombardi right. episode was gold. It's Hall of Fame episode. It could sure. still be better, Dennis. So right. same thing I would say about the Jonathan Quick trade. It it could have been handled better. Can you at least agree with that as like step one before we move along? Could it have been handled better? Yeah. Well, Rob Blake said it could have been handled better. So of course I agree with that. Yes, that's that's a that's a given in this conversation. Okay. So it could have been handled better. Now let's talk about how it was handled. So Jonathan Quick at the beginning of the year. It's actually your tweet that we can refer back to in training camp. You had specifically asked him. I'll, I'll turn it over to you. What What did you ask him and what did he say back in training camp? Let's start there. Okay. So, John, you're at the end of your contract. Do you plan playing past this contract? He goes, yep, that's the plan. So he he was never going to retire. It wasn't going to be a Dustin Brown this year. So he was he wanted to play and wants to play past the end of this contract. So it's very simple. And Jonathan Quick did not go on for 10 minutes about that. But he said, yeah, that's the plan. Yeah. So if you take a step back even further from what we've gathered, uh, you know, in the days since and, and tried to piece this together from various different sources, Quickie was interested in a contract extension in Los Angeles last summer. Now, that would have been a good time to ask for a contract extension for two reasons. Number one, he was entering the final year of his 10-year contract, uh, number one. Number two, he wanted to continue to play. Those are two good reasons. And number three, he was coming off a successful year. Uh, you, you could say his best career, uh, excuse me, his best year in many years, uh, perhaps as many as five-plus years, and that the Kings returned to the playoffs. And a lot of the credit has to be given to Jonathan Quick for the return to the playoffs last year. Can, can you agree with with all of that so far. No question. Absolutely. It was it was proper for him to ask for an extension at that point based on his play. Correct. It was also proper, I would say, I'll use your word, for the LA Kings, who, as much as they love and admire and respect Jonathan Quick, and and not only for what he's done histo you know, historically, but even from a recency bias perspective, what he had done the previous year. But the reality also is they have to manage a salary cap. They had uh, already signed Cal Peterson to a big money contract that was going to be kicking in. And if Jonathan Quick was going to get a contract extension last summer, I'm talking about, it would have most likely yeah. been for one year at a very low dollar amount, like a million dollars, right? Because you have right. Peterson on the hook already. So it would have been prudent for management at this point to say, 
hey, let's wait and see how it all plays out, right? Let's all, let's just wait and see how this season plays out to see what kind of contract we're going to offer. And if we even want to do that, because you also have to consider that they have prospects that are waiting in the wings. And at some point you have to turn things over, right? Not only does Cal have to take the mantle as the number one goaltender, but perhaps it's time for Matt Volta to come in and be the backup and that, sure. that sort of thing. So let's, let's wait and let's play it out. You're with me so far? So far, so good. So then as the season goes along, would you say that he probably played himself out of a contract extension? Uh, yeah, he played himself out of town. So, yes, of course okay. he did. And, so know, he played himself this? out of a contract extension. Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, what to save percentage? 885? Like, that's not, that's not good enough. That's not, uh, you know, when Felix Copley saves the season, who's at risk? Jonathan Quick. Mm -hmm. It's as simple as that. It's not, it's not algebra. It's not calculus, John, here. It's, it's simple algebra right at this point. So this is not meant in any way whatsoever to to demean uh, Jonathan Quick or to diminish his career. Uh, Rob Blake said it uh, on the media call the other day that, look, let's just start with the facts. It's the greatest goaltender in the history of the LA Kings franchise, period, right? So his jersey gets retired, a statue goes up, he goes to the Hall of Fame. All of that stuff is known. That's not what's being discussed right now. What's being discussed is, What's the future and where do you go from here? You said it earlier, and I don't think that it can be said enough for a certain segment of the fan base to really buy in and understand and believe Jonathan Quick was not going to retire as an L.A. King. He planned on playing beyond this season, and he was not getting a contract extension. So let's take those two facts and walk this forward. If they had not traded him, he would be with the team for the balance of the season. Everybody thought, oh, he's only had 20 games. No, he had more than 20 games because the Kings plan on going to the playoffs. So it was more than six weeks. It was all the way until July 1st when he became an unrestricted free agent. So let's fast forward the clock. They didn't trade him. You get all the way to July 1st. What's happening on July 1st? He is walking away as an unrestricted free agent. And given his desire to play, continue to play, he would sign with another NHL team. So if that's the case, he's not retiring as a king, Dennis. Yeah, he's not retiring as a king. And and maybe something would have changed during the season where his level of play like deteriorated to the extent that maybe this should be it. Maybe it, it is too much. Maybe I'm 37 years old and maybe I should step away. But as far as I know, that wasn't the plan. The plan was to continue to play. So he wasn't – it's bottom line, John. If, if he was going to continue to play, it wouldn't be in Los Angeles. It, it's as simple as that, which is his, his right and his choice. And Dennis – I, I understand where you're going as well that like, well, look, may, maybe he would have changed the script. Maybe he would have changed his mind. I would just ask and challenge back. How, how is that going to be possible? When, if you look at the schedule, he was only going to get two or three more starts. You think that in two more games, he's going to change his opinion. If he was going to change his opinion about wanting to continue to play, he would have changed his opinion in December. He would have changed his opinion in January. He would have changed his opinion by now. If he hasn't already changed his mind by, and that's his prerogative. I want to be very clear about this. I, yeah, I do not have any problem with quick wanting to continue to play. That's his prerogative. He, no. It's his decision. You, you want to keep playing? Man, I don't care. Play to your 40, play to your 50. I don't, it's, it's up to you. If another team is willing to pay you and you're willing to live in that town, by all means, buddy, go and do it. Have fun. Knock yourself out. But this reminds yeah. me mm -hmm. of the situation with Mike Madonna. That's the player that I keep coming back to. Mike sure. Madonna. The Dallas Stars decided that they wanted to move forward, that they didn't have room for him in their, you know, future plans and their salary cap and their organization and their 23-man roster, whatever you want to call it. 
You say, how can you do that to Mike Madonna? He's the greatest Dallas star of all time. He's the captain. He's, you know, he's the face of the franchise. He's everything. He wanted to continue to play. He went on, he signed a contract with the Detroit Red Wings. And unfortunately, it didn't work out. And eventually, he came back into the fold and whatnot. But that happens sometimes. And it it's painful and it's hurtful and, and, and all those things. But it's not necessarily disrespectful. And the player isn't necessarily done dirty either. There's two sides to every story here. And there's some context that's missing in all of this when you see all of this stuff out there on Twitter and Quick is pissed off and he's not happy. Well, you can be both. You can have both, Dennis. It can be an and. Yeah. He can be he can be mad. <laughs> he can be disappointed. And he can also not be surprised, right? Was he surprised? Yeah. Well, you have to break that down. What, was he surprised that he was traded? Or was he surprised that it happened after the game? Was he surprised that he was traded? Or was he surprised that he was traded on Tuesday? Like there's a there's a big difference there, and you have to break that down, DB. Uh, what what do you what do you make of all this this craziness of you know uh, he he's ready to storm the castle. He's gonna you know he's gonna, yeah. he's gonna burn the plane down. He's gonna he's gonna fight Rob Blake. I mean, it's just some craziness that's out there. He's not that type of person. Number one, number two. Uh, when you talk about loyalty done dirty, Jonathan Quick made sixty three million dollars. He was not done dirty. Uh, loyalty is okay. You perform for me, I pay you. He was paid very well. He's set for life, I assume. Um, so those are all the positives. Now the negatives are well, yeah, the timing of it wasn't great. Um, and here's here's my take on this, John, and you can certainly respond. I, the fact that um, that he, he was like when you're playing this poorly, right? I, I don't think it was a snap judgment by Rob to make the trade, right? I don't think that he played in. in in New York on Sunday, on, on Tuesday, he said Wednesday or on Monday, I'm going to trade him on Tuesday. So, and, and so what, if I'm in Rob's place, what I would have done, the only really criticism I have is you can't not spring this on him and not be there to, to say to him face to face. What I would have done and what should have been happening is when you see the decline in his play and you're thinking about making a move, what you should pu pull him aside and say, hey, John, you've got a sub 900 save percentage. Something might happen by the trade deadline. And that makes him aware, and then he's put on notice. So at any point in time, after you have that conversation, it, it the optics are better, right? With respect to being there, look, if, he's in, if Rob's with the team and in his bunker and he can't get on a plane, I get it. But one or the other should have occurred, and neither occurred. So I think that's where the bitterness may, may come in and the like. And, and, and so that's the only real issue I have with it. And when you talk to guys privately around the team – that it was sprung on them too. So I, I think that you see the player play, you're saying, okay, he's not long for this. We talked about the fact that they didn't give him an extension. So on John's side, he had to have had an inkling when they say, no, you're the greatest goaltender um, in franchise history. You're one of the most important, if not the most important players in the franchise, but we don't want to extend you. If it's me, I got an inkling. Okay. This could be the end. Now there's one other thing about context, John. The other thing that, that kind of exacerbates this is that he just saw what happened with Dustin Brown, who retired a hero, who had a who had a statue, who saw his number go to the bat to the rafters, and now it's almost like the other end of the spectrum with Jonathan Quick. Like, okay, well, we're going to trade you to Columbus. They're a last place team, far away from your home. So I think to see the treatment that Dustin got, and again, it was Dustin's timing. He chose to retire when the time was right. The team was going to the playoffs. I think that, that context of being so close to what happened with – and John, that ceremony just happened a month ago. So I can't blame Jonathan Cook for saying, well, I'm really pissed off because look what just happened to one of my guys 
who's going to be on Mount Rushmore with me. And, and this is the end result of my career in Los Angeles. So I, I'm, I'm empathetic towards that. I get it. I understand that he has a right to be to his feelings. It doesn't diminish what it's done. It doesn't diminish anything about this player. So that that's my feelings about this whole thing. Yes, it could have been handled better. If one of two things happened, it didn't happen that way. And that's life sometimes. We always don't get what we want. Well, it can be both, though. Again, I keep saying this. Go he ahead. can still be on Mount Rushmore. He can still have the statue. He, he can still be. get yeah. the retirement. He can still be a hero and have a ceremony and all of that stuff. When he's done playing, he wants to continue to play. So here's the other thing. Rob, in, in, in every dealing that we've had with him, um, and also in talking to other players and other people in the world of hockey, other management people, I'll call it, you get a very consistent theme about Rob Blake. Just like you do if you ask 10 different people about Dean Lombardi, you'll get you'll get a theme, you'll get a, you know, mm -hmm. uh, you can weave things together. It'd be the same thing about you, Dennis, if we ask 10 people about yeah. you, you know, themes are developed. And sure. one of the themes about Rob Blake is that he is he's respectful, but he's direct and he's honest. So you have to believe that he's given that feedback directly to Jonathan Quick and perhaps it wasn't heard or understood now that also could be that also can be on blake as well right because just because we say something doesn't necessarily mean that the other person is hearing me and it's our responsibility to make sure they're hearing me so i'm just saying there's more to this and context is important and yeah. at the end of the day it boils down to this he wasn't going to retire as a king so we have to stop the romanticizing and the romantic element of, oh, Blake ruined that that romantic idea. No, he didn't. That idea had sailed. That idea was, was done with because the player was going to continue to play. And again, I'm not faulting the player. I'm saying just understand the context of the trade. That's all I'm saying. The other thing, John, is he didn't speak until Friday. And so there was a time lapse here where – People's imaginations run wild. Look, here's the look. You watched the pregame against Montreal on Thursday. Jim Fox was driven to tears. He had to hold back tears mm -hmm. when talking about this guy because he was on the plane with him. I'm sure that wasn't a great plane ride home. So, because of the timelines between the trade and Jonathan speaking on Friday, everybody could say whatever they want. Their imaginations could run wild. Um, he kind of cleared it up, but you can go into a little bit more context about what he said and how he said it. I'm, I'm going to do this, Dennis, um, instead of doing what I normally would do, which is paraphrasing what the player said and and trying to give my take on it. I would just say, if you want to know what Jonathan Quick said, there's an interview. It's up on mayorsmanner.com right now. This isn't my normal shameless plug to drive traffic. I'm telling you right now <laughs> that the interview's out there. If you want to if I'm just telling you that it's there. OK, if you want to know what Jonathan Quick said, he talked about the trade. He talked about landing in Las Vegas and he didn't bite when when they were pushing him to hype up a potential Kings versus Vegas uh, a playoff series. In my opinion, it was a typical Jonathan Quick interview. He was a little bit lighthearted. And at the same time, he shut down a lot of the stuff. And he even said it in the interview. He said, I'm not here to give sound bites. I don't want to give sound bites. And he was very, very um, deliberate in what he was saying to not give sound bites. So is he hurt that he's not a member of the LA Kings? Of course he's hurt. Who wouldn't be hurt? He, yes, Dennis, he was paid handsomely. He 10 year contract, all that stuff. Right. But at the same time, he, he was, he was departed from his family and from the only franchise that he knew for 15 years. Mm -hmm. I go back to Jeff Carter. 
Jeff Carter was not an L.A. King the same way that Jonathan Quick was. No. He was drafted no. by a different organization. He grew up in a different organization. At the same time, though, Dennis, he was a big part of the L.A. Kings, and the Kings organization perhaps means more to Jeff Carter than what the Flyers mean to him because he won cups in, in Los sure. Angeles. So what I'm saying, though, is that when Carter left, he was sad too. But you know what? He moved on. He got on with it once the emotions of the situation calmed down. And I think that was, to me, what the interview was about today. The emotions of the situation had calmed down enough for the, for the first interview to be spoken. And now there will be other interviews. And I, Quick doesn't want to talk about anything. Anybody who's ever yeah, interviewed him, exactly. he doesn't want to talk about the game. He doesn't want to talk about it. So I don't think there's going to be a lot more coming out of this. I, I don't see a 60-minute sit-down piece with, with Jonathan Quick where he's going to open up and give his timeline of it. I do want to say this, though. Uh, and I might be wrong on this. I do not believe that Andre Kopitar knew about the trade at the time that he gave the post-game interview. This is, again, where I think that certain things come out that appear to be misleading. People wanted to say, mm -hmm. oh, well, he just scored four goals, and, and you know, look at the way that he he did the interview. Well, what was no, If you've ever been around Kopitar, that's Kopitar. That's how he is. He was dog-tired. He just played. Uh, uh, he had a five-game road trip, he, and he played deep into, the, into that game. He's tired, man. He wants to get on the plane. He wants to go home. I don't think that that was a reaction to him finding out that Jonathan Quick was being traded. Uh, that, according to the timeline that I've put together, that's that's as best as I've been able to put together. DB. Well, if the interview was done when he came off the ice, unless he had his phone in his back pocket to check a tweet <laughs> or a trade, like how would he know? So I don't was, know. Was, I'll be, I don't yeah, know why these things are said, Dennis. I know, but but here's the thing: in the press conference on Thursday, uh, him and Drew, it looked like a funeral, John. It, it was. It was. It was said. I, I've not seen long faces like that. And the other thing about the other guys like Carter and Amart and C Cliffy getting traded, they were traded on the downside of the team. Like when the team was going down, it was going to re reimagine itself or whatever. I forget the, yeah. the 20 different. That's the word. Reimagine. You got it. You finally okay, got, got it, it right. On the, first shot. <laughs> on the first shot, I got reimagined. But now this team is on the upswing and you're, and you're leaving. It, it would probably be easy when the team had 71 points and you're going, okay, I want to move on. I'm tired of losing. It's been too many years. We haven't won since 2014. And I think that's part of it as well. I, I think it's not just one thing. It, it's, it can be complex here because you're talking about, again, a, 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 an all-timer here. Like, and yes. and I, I stole it from, from Jesse Cohn. Like, this guy's the most important player in, in franchises. Not the best, not the greatest, most important, because without him, John, you know it. I know it. Everyone knows it. They don't win without him, without question. So he'll get his time. He'll get his day in the sun. And for him saying, um, I'm not going to give sound bites. Well, he said that for 16 seasons, John. So that's like not breaking news. Like, you're not going to give a sound bite? Really? When did you ever start giving sound bites, John? And something changed. So, um, yeah. And I say that lightheartedly because that's the way he was. He just cared about team and focus and winning. That's all that, that, that that's. I mean, that's one of his signatures here in Los Angeles. I want to just say a couple more things and then we'll wrap up and we can move on to the second period. First of all, thank you for everybody sitting through this as we sort of go through the the trade and everything. And I wish we didn't have sure. to spend so much time talking about it. And I wish instead we could reminisce and only talk about the, the best times and the things that we remember about Jonathan Quick. I'm going to share a, a story here in just a second. But the other point to all of this, though, is the last thing, and we can put this to bed, for people talking about, oh, well, they sent him to Columbus. They should have sent him here. They should have sent him there. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say two things about that. Number one, it takes other teams willing to be able to make a deal. Okay? 
Uh, and, and number two, from what I understand, Dennis, and I haven't gone public with this until now, from what I understand, the Kings had tried with three separate teams to put a three-way deal together to where he wasn't going to go uh, to Columbus. Mm -hmm. And at one point, perhaps they thought, and again, everybody has a different opinion about how close is close, right? I mean, it's not a trade until it happens, but right. they thought they might have been close at one point to getting a three-way deal done where they could get this trade, get the players that they wanted, and that Quick would have uh, ended up with another team. In the end, it wasn't able to work out that way. And here's the, 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 the key to all of that, Dennis. It really doesn't matter, I'm saying from, from one perspective, okay? It really doesn't matter where he ended up because this is a short period of time. Sure, you want to try to give him the best landing spot that you could, just like they wanted to get Jeff Carter to Pittsburgh. They wanted to try to get him to a spot where he wanted to go, right? You want to get quick to a mm -hmm. spot where he wants to go. If he has term, he doesn't have term. Right. So at the end of this season, to continue his career, to play another year, to play another two years, he's going to have to sign a contract with another team. So while this is a big topic right now, Dennis, it's a blip on the radar. And I said this the other day when I was on with Boom on SiriusXM. Uh, it's it's like Gretzky going to the Blues. Okay? It was a blip. <laughs> Nobody remembers it. He, he went on and he went to New York and that's where he was for the next couple of years. So the Jonathan Quick story is not done. If he ends up signing with another team for one year or two years or, you know, however many years he wants to keep playing. And, and who knows? Maybe he can play with four teams. Maybe he becomes Corey Perry. Maybe he plays, you know, one, four different teams one year each. We don't know how this whole thing's going to play out. We just know that he wasn't going to finish a king. And then the, what I wanted to end with is this, Dennis. Um, I've been thinking a lot about sort of favorite memories of Jonathan Quick and most of the obvious ones come to mind, you know, whether it's the parade, uh, whether it's, it's the speech afterward, uh, whether it's, you know, all the big games, the big saves, the flunky, fluky stuff that happened, like the goal in Detroit that went up over behind him, all these, all these crazy things. And, you know, the one thing that I was thinking about today that we probably haven't talked a lot about, but one of my favorite memories with Quick was actually uh, in Colorado at the outdoor game. It was a different Jonathan Quick. And it, it was almost startling, like how different he was that day. He was calm and relaxed and he was willing to talk. He stood there and did a, what felt like a 15 minute scrum after uh, morning skate. Uh, there were about four or five of us in the locker room. Uh, it was a very tiny locker room. Uh, yeah. I remember Lisa Dillman was there as well, but there were just a couple of us that were standing there and uh, quick came out and he had a beanie on and uh, he, he talked and he, and, and it was, it was a calm conversation. Is the only way I would describe it. He, uh, Quickie's always been in a hurry to get the interview over. He just went, just in a hurry. Just let me answer the questions with as few of words as I possibly can use, and let me be done. And that day, he, it, it was it was like it was like sitting down at a table and just having a conversation. It was a very easy, relaxed conversation. He talked for a long time, and he was very um, proud. Is not the right word. He was, I guess it is. He was enjoying the moment mm -hmm. that that was there that playing in the outdoor game and and the special jerseys and the everything that was going on he was just really taking it all in and and enjoying it he, and you, he seemed genuinely happy that day dennis i think at some point you just take stock on a guy who was what a third round pick who was from connecticut from milford connecticut and you say okay wow look at Look at the ride. Look at the journey I have. I think that, it, and it may, so maybe that it just caught him that night. Maybe the backdrop. Maybe it was it was a beautiful night in Colorado, even though it was six thousand feet in the air. And I'll never walk up hills again. 
in Colorado, but uh, <laughs> I, I guess it's so. I guess John, what you're doing is equating that availability to the annual Jeff Carter availability because when Jeff speaks. He's usually really good, but he only spoke once a year. This is the last minute of play Correct. The you're, you're absolutely right. You get that one annual, and, and it usually caught us off guard. We weren't expecting yes. carts to be available that day and to want to talk. But on that day, it was like the C's part, and he just, he's, <laughs> there he is. And it's a great conversation. Do you have, uh, or have you thought recently of like your favorite, it doesn't have to be a favorite, but of a Jonathan Quick moment that you just sort of reminisced about uh, here over the last couple of days. Anything no, besides I, the obvious of winning cups and trophies and stuff? No, well, like when he walked into Staples Center with the trophy and he had twenty beers before that. I think that 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 always because you got to laugh at it. I think it, John. It's not one player or one moment. It's just the way he played, the athleticism, the battling, like the, the sprawling, just the athleticism that we really haven't seen a lot in goaltenders. And we may never see again because guys now have an economy of movement. They don't really move around. He was kind of the opposite of that. I just like his style. And we and the one thing I remember, and it wasn't just one game, but, but John, I think you'll agree with this. If you have a game seven, do you want him in net? And I would. Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't think there's any any better big money goalie ever you give me a game seven in any series and Jonathan quick would be the guy that I would want. I think it's important for people to know also that it's not a gimmick that, that his, his park and ride mentality. That's who he is. That's what yeah. makes him so great is his, his ability to block everything out and live in that exact moment. And it doesn't matter what happens after that moment. He's, he is in the zone in that mm -hmm. game. And it doesn't matter if he had a hundred saves and broke a record and, when, when he says park and ride and all that stuff, well, I mean, Sutter said it, but when he has that mentality after the game, he doesn't want to talk about it. Only want, you know, tomorrow we're getting on a plane, we're flying here. That's his mentality. He is so locked in, and that's when people talk about his competitive nature, that's what it is. I, I, it, it's, it's, so, it's rarer than rare. It's, it is so unbelievable, his ability to mentally be at that level, Dennis. And I think he'll probably go through when he calls it quits, probably what Dustin Brown's going through right now and, and then taking stock and then saying, Hey, look, look at all the things that we did. Right. And, and I think that's when, and I think you just, when you're a player, you're just so focused on that and you don't, and I believe him. He doesn't care about that stuff. He just cares about winning. He doesn't care about being the most winningest USA goaltender ever. Right. He just cares about winning the game tonight and playing the best he can. But I think what happens once you step away from the stage and you have time to process everything and, and look on this incredible ride and really change the path of a, an organization, at that point in time, he'll, he'll, it'll soak all in. He'll take more pride in it. But right now in the moment, he's just a dude from Connecticut playing a hockey game. All right. Emotions are running high for Jonathan Quick, for LA Kings fans. Emotions are running high for everybody. DB, how about we cool things off? Let's take a quick break. We'll come back on the other side. We'll look at the other side of this trade. We'll look at the two players that were brought into Los Angeles, as well as another addition that they made uh, this week or, uh, in, in going out and getting a goaltender, and, uh, believe it or not. Uh, two goalies to talk about on the other side of the break. We'll be back.
Second period, kings of the podcast. Here we go. Let's turn the page. We'll look at the players that were acquired in uh, the first uh, trade that took place this week. Uh, the LA Kings and the Colorado, excuse me, the LA Kings and the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, the Kings have been on the hunt for a left shot defenseman for quite some time. And uh, more importantly, a more or less a shutdown defenseman, maybe a la, I say, in the in, in the vein of a, a Robin Regeer. They were able to get that in Vlad or Vladislav Gavrikov, who's uh, quite the gregarious guy. That's a mouthful to get all of that out there, DB. Uh, we can talk a little bit more about him. And then they also uh, have a goaltender coming back or uh, in the deal, which was Jonas Corposalo. And uh, both of these players are unrestricted free agents. Some people are a little up in arms thinking that this was a first-round draft pick uh, as well as quick, et cetera, to, uh, to get rentals. But uh, that's not the plan. Rob Blake would, of course, love to evaluate these players here over the rest of the re uh, remaining part of the season, both regular season and playoffs, and then sign one or both of those players to contract extensions and keep them in the fold. Nothing is brewing. They have not had contract negotiations, according to GM Rob Blake. Uh, so don't expect a contract uh, announcement coming anytime in the days ahead. Very different than the Kevin Fiala deal where they pretty much had something worked out in advance. And so after the trade, there was uh, very soon thereafter, there was an announcement made uh, that Kevin Fiala had signed a long-term extension. Uh, we can get into it later in the season TV about what type of contract do you think that Vlad would be looking for or what the comps are and that sort of thing. Let's just talk about mm -hmm. the players uh, first of all. So, uh, in Vlad, what you're getting is you're getting a rough, rugged defenseman who was uh, leading in time on ice on the penalty kill, especially there with the Columbus Blue Jackets. And he had become their their top shutdown defenseman. Uh, he's a big guy. Um, any any thoughts on the player that they acquired and if it was the right player for the right fit? Yeah, it fills a need on the left side and he plays defense. And that's what they need. They score enough goals. They need more defense. They need a guy that they can put out there with 90 seconds left that can block a shot or move a player out from in front of the net. It's not a very big defense. And that's the and, and that's the one challenge about this team, John. When you look at championship teams like Tampa, like Colorado, they have size on the back line. So this was a necessary from a positional standpoint, but also from the type of player they need. They needed a bigger player on there. And whatever it happens, and I'm sure Todd in the coming days will decide what he wants to do with the other three defensemen. If it's Roy, if it's Jersey with him. But it certainly fills a need, a necessary need that, John, they've been looking for for quite a while. Yeah. No. So what they picked up here was a 27-year-old player. He's six foot three. Uh, he's on an expiring contract that's paying him $2.8 million on an AAV. He's expected to get a healthy raise. It could be twice the price of that. Uh, and, yep. and for term, we'll have to figure out where that all goes. But again, a big, tough, rugged uh, defenseman. He's going to wear, or he is wearing, we should already say this because he's made his debut at the time we're recording this. He's wearing number 84, the first player in LA Kings franchise history to ever wear number 84. Now, he was going to have to get a new number, Dennis, because he broke into the league wearing 44. That's currently taken by Mikey Anderson. Mm -hmm. He then went down to the single digit of number four. And last yeah. time I checked, that is up in the rafters. And this isn't like yeah, one of those Peyton upstairs. Manning coming to the Broncos <laughs> deal where they're going to let you wear a retired number. Um, I mean, maybe he could have. Maybe he should have. Maybe that should be part of the contract negotiations. Maybe he tells Blakey, hey, I'll sign a contract extension here, but I want my number four back. I don't know. But uh, he's wearing number 84. We'll have to see how long that that stays if he uh, sticks in Los Angeles beyond this beyond this year. But I, I will say in talking to him, um, he's very excited to be here. He uh, is also acknowledges just what a wonderful organization it's been. Made him feel welcome right away. Players contacting him, trying to help him out. Um, he told a funny story about how he lived 
about four minutes from his living room to the locker room. Those were the words that he was using um, to get in Columbus from where he lived and to get into the locker room at the arena. He said it took about two songs uh, in his in his on his iPad or in his <laughs> iPod or in his headphones. And um, he said that if he decided to drive there, he would make it about 20 seconds if he hit the one green light on the on the way. Um, so he usually would just walk. He was very happy that the wives of the LA Kings, the wives and girlfriends, that they all embraced his wife. Though I guess the wife was saying like every phone call and every text message I've had has been from from the wives and girlfriends of the LA Kings players. And so she was really excited. She felt welcomed right away. That's a big deal. And he pointed that out. Essentially what he said to me was, he's like, look, man, you know, I know that uh, as a professional athlete, I'm going to be taken care of. They take great care of us. Um, but we don't always know like how it's going to go for our significant others. And so for my wife to come and for my young daughter to come uh, and, and be here, they've been welcomed with open arms. The daughter already had a King's Jersey on. Um, she looked to be about maybe two or three years old. So small Jersey uh, mm -hmm. at the game the other night and, you know, smiles. He seems happy and hell, why wouldn't he? He's leaving Columbus, which is a great town. It's a good <laughs> hockey town, but um, they aren't destined for the playoffs. They weren't fighting for first place in their division. He joins a club uh, and he's playing with some of the best players in the world. You know, he's playing with Drew Doughty. He's playing with Andre Kopitar and they have a chance to do some special, special things this year. So he's excited to be here. Did you um, have any impressions of him other than what you already mentioned, which is that uh, a lot of confidence shown by Todd McClellan to have him out there, you know, 90 seconds left in the game the other night. Yeah, and he played. And remember, John, he sat out for what a week, ten days. He'd been sitting out so two weeks. I think it was a, two weeks, yeah. It was two weeks, exactly. So I think that the fact that he went, and I didn't think he would play. I thought he would give him a, a data to wrestle. When we asked Todd about the, the how they'd be deployed, and he said Corbacello, obviously because of equipment and all the stuff, wasn't going to play Thursday. But he, he kind of surprised some of us by saying he plays Thursday. But look, he, yeah, he's a chat. He's a, he's a, and I think what makes it easier for him is that he was traded with Corpusella. So it's two guys coming to town, so they can kind of bond and share experiences coming to a new town. And I, we had Corpusello actually on on SiriusXM on Friday uh, with me, Coolius, and uh, Dave Nonis, and he, he said that it's a much, much easier transition when one of his really good teammates is with him. Awesome. Now, in terms of deployment, and we'll get to Corpusello in a second, in terms of deployment, the Kings have a couple different options. So one option would be to have him play up on the top pair with Drew Doughty, and that would leave Mikey Anderson on the second pair left side. You could then put uh, either Matt Roy over on that right side with Anderson. You could put Sean Dursey over there on that right side. Uh, now, if you if you have Dursey there on the right side on the second pair, then, you know, you have to figure out what you're going to do on the third pair. You have Edler who can play there alongside Walker, et cetera. But one of the other things here is you could play him, uh, Gavrikov, that is, you could play him uh, on the second pair. So you could leave Mikey mm -hmm. and Dowdy together. And if you have him play on the second yeah. pair, same situation. Do you play him with Roy uh, or do you play him with Dursey who would slide back over to the right side? And if you have him play with Dursey, then you end up with Roy playing with perhaps Walker sliding over to the left-hand side and uh, having having Edler out of the lineup uh, uh, most right. nights. Or the other thing is you could have Roy play uh, on the right side on the second pair and you could have Dursey stay on the left and Dursey would stay on the left side. Now on the third pair, I'll just tell you real quickly. What I like about that option uh, is a couple of things. One Dursey and talking to him, he was telling me that he really is enjoying playing over on the left-hand side. He openly talked with me about the struggles uh, in the beginning of the year and how hard it was to get adjusted. But he said, he's been watching a lot of video. 
of watching other guys around the league that have done it to play on their offsides. He mentioned specifically watching a lot of Roman Yossi, which I thought was interesting because Yossi is a left shot, not a right shot, but still plays a lot on his offside. So he just talked about the adjustments that were there. And he said that even in game, he watches some of the other players and picks up little little tips and tricks from guys on other teams. And he said, even in the game against Montreal, that he picked up something that he wants to work on in practice and try to use. So I thought it was pretty interesting. Um, and he really appreciated uh, the Kings organization being so patient with him. And he, and he was quick to point out that this uh, adds a, a, a new tool in my tool belt. And it's funny because Mike oh, yeah. Stuthers used to talk about that with Kale Clegg when they were trying to break Clegg in on his offside. And Stutz it was telling me at that time many, many years ago, he's like, look, I'm trying to get across to this kid that even though it might not be something that he wants to do, that it makes him more valuable to an organization to have this this other you know, tool in his toolbox, in his tool belt. And uh, it was funny that just that Jersey had mentioned that uh, type of, you know, wording It's perhaps maybe it's something even that Mike Stuthers had said to him as well, but Jersey is really adapting and adjusting to the left side. And so now you have to wonder, even if you put him back on his more natural right side, would you want to do it mid season or would you do it more, you know, over the summer type thing and kind of do a reset and then come into the year that way. And that's one of the reasons why I think I like Sean Dersey, perhaps on that third pairing. And you and I've talked about the, one other thing about this, DB, and I'll get your thoughts. Mm -hmm. Alec Martinez, he was the best third pairing defenseman in the league at the time. And sometimes when you yeah. put him up on the second pair, it exposed him a little bit because he wasn't quite ready for it. Maybe this would be a great opportunity. Jersey can still get his power play minutes, but if you put him on a third pair, it actually might slot everybody in in a more normal spot of where they might uh, be ready for it this time. Let's remember Sean Dersey does not even have two full seasons in the national yeah. hockey league, Dennis. Well, and, and they had to have patience with Dersey because remember Dersey wasn't the plan to go to the left side. It was Sean Walker. And with a small sample side, they decided, okay, it's not going to be Sean Walker because he's coming back from a, from a really serious knee injury and he just wasn't ready to man that, that opportunity. So you had to give Dersey time and he has improved over time. He's certainly he's not the same defender game 15 as he is at game 62. So he he's worked on it. He's a conscientious kid. We both really like him. I'm, I'm sure he he really has studied hard and continues to study. But I think that and I think that with respect to the deployment, you would think, OK, Gavrikov and Matt Roy. OK, they're, they're, that's your defensive stopper like pair, except how many goals does Matt Roy have? He's not just a, <laughs> a shutdown, stay at home defender anymore. Well, not so this season. Would have, he's not. So no, it was Gavrikov. <laughs> Right. So if you have a Gavrikov and Roy, that, that's not a totally no offense pair. So you can then drop Dursey down to the third pair and put offense on the third pair. So I, that's what I would do because of Matt Roy season. Maybe it changes next season. But for right now, that that's what I probably look at. And look, playing Sean Dursey, as you mentioned, 15 minutes tonight, put him on the keep him on power play one. A really good spot for him. He's really and not that he hasn't succeeded, but he's even set up for more success. I think if you get him on the third pair as well. I also would not be surprised. This is not inside information, just pure speculation. I also would not be surprised, Dennis, if Gavrikov played a couple of games up with Drew Doughty here over the first five games just to help get him acclimated to the team. I don't yeah. think that it would be done with the intention of, hey, let's see if we like this and then let's roll with that. I think it would just right. be a, hey, is this an opportunity to help get this player, uh, you know, sort of more accustomed to the system and the style and everything. And, you know, people, it's fun too. people like playing with drew and, uh, and then, you know, Mikey would be back sure. up there come game. One of the playoffs, I expect it to be 44 and eight as the top pairing and then 84 and whoever he's going to be, whoever he's going to be paired with. And next year, perhaps you have 
uh, 84 playing with Jordan Spence on the right side. And then you have um, Matt Roy on the right playing with Jersey over on the left. Perhaps that could be your third pair, which was your second pair this year, third pair next year. Um, so just, you know, some different things to think about there. All right, let's talk about the goaltender here for just a second, Dennis. In Jonas Corposalo, you're getting a 28-year-old Finnish native. Um, he has here, he did make this year already 28 appearances uh, for the Blue Jackets with a 913 save percentage. And um, he's being brought in to, well, they won't say. Uh, McClellan was quick to point out that he doesn't have a rotation yet. So it's not a 50-50 rotation. He's mm -hmm. just brought in to be a goaltender and that it'll sort itself out here. And I And I loved what he said from a respect standpoint. You know, he's like, how do you tell Phoenix Copley that he's not the number one guy right now? How do you how do you take starts away from him when you look at the 19 or 20 wins that Copley has? So Copley, from what I took from those comments, he's going to be given an opportunity to play. But Corpus Allo is also going to be given an opportunity to play. And perhaps for the first time this year, Dennis, you could have two guys, two hot hands that you could be fighting for the crease. Yeah, well, look, they're better off right now than they were um, a week ago. This trade makes them a better team. Take the emotion out of it. They're a better team. And the last time I checked, this guy, Corpusella, you know, he, he you know, has 85 saves in a playoff game? Jonas Corpusella. Yeah, it was so unbelievable, too. Remember that game? 85 yeah, that saves in that game. Saves, five overtime games. So this guy has been in the playoffs. He's functioned. Here's the thing about Corpusella. I talked to Mike McKenna, my buddy. Um, who's on SiriusXM, works for Daily Faceoff about it. He says, if Dennis, healthy, Dennis, Dennis, you have, Dennis you have to set up McKenna right. The goalie guru. He's the goalie guru right now. He's the hot. Oh, he's the, goalie he's the hot. Well, yeah, because Weeks is now more of like a, he's more like a, an NHL personality, right? But yeah, yeah but if you want, if you want the goalie guy, then you talk to Mike McKenna. So what did, what did McKenna say? Well, I said he's had a great season. He's healthy. And that was the, when Corpy didn't play well, it was because of, of health. And he should do well. And what I think happens is there's 19 games left. I think one guy gets 10, one guy gets nine. Yeah, Todd didn't say that, okay, uh, Copley isn't the number one. But I don't think he is. I, I think that how they played down the stretch, because there have been some games where, you know, Copley has won games and, and you can't take that away from him. But he's sub 900 save percent. Is it still sustainable into the playoffs? Like who's mm -hmm. the better goaltender and gives you a better opportunity to win? I think it, it remains to be seen. And if Copley wins nine more, and he's 26, 7, and 1 going to play. Of course you got to start him. Um, the one thing, though, John, is that by game 80, now game 78, you got to decide who the guy is. You're not mm -hmm. going into the playoffs with a tandem. You're not. It never works. Yes. You yep. got to decide on one guy. So it, it, I think there's an open competition. I think that Copley's ahead because he's proven himself here. And yeah, the save percentage is great, but you got to win games here. And it's different. Like, yeah, Columbus wasn't a good team, whatever. Like he's got to prove himself here. But again, if Copley falters, I certainly think the organization feels better about putting Corpusalo in as opposed to what Quick was giving him and Cal Peterson before him. And Corpusalo is another one of those guys who has to figure out his next step as well. Unrestricted free agent. He's on a yeah, one-year deal tight. making $1.3 He's looking for an increase. And then you mentioned Cal Peterson. There still is a path for Cal Peterson to be one of the two starting goaltenders in Los Angeles next season. In spite of all of this stuff, there yeah. still is a path there. And they very well could enter camp uh, next September, Dennis, with Corpusalo, with Cal Peterson, and with Copley. And you go, wait a minute, you have three goaltenders. What do you do? Well, mm -hmm. if you followed the signing and what I had to say about Copley, it was a no-brainer one-year contract. 
it basically is a 50-50 contract, meaning half the money is basically paid up front in the signing bonus in July, which is almost like a nice bonus for him coming in and doing what he did. The rest of it is his salary for next season. So the cap hit is 1.5, but that's not the way the salary works. And so if Corpusalo and Peterson were to be the two starting goaltenders, you ended up you end up putting Copley uh, on waivers. He either gets picked up or you find a trade for him. And, you know, thank you. Uh, but it's a business yeah. and that's the way that you do it. There's no, no matter what Copley does right now, there's no guarantee uh, of what the yeah. future is going to be. And even if the Kings rode him all the way to the Stanley cup, they can't award him with any more money because they've already signed him for a one year contract extension. Yeah. He wouldn't be getting money this summer. He wouldn't be getting money until at least January of next year when he would be eligible for an even mm-hmm. uh, yet another contract extension. Um, speaking of September real quickly, before we move on to the, uh, the, the college goaltender, Let's talk about Australia. I know it's off the track of uh, uh, of what's well, going I, on I with the trade, say, but I want to say one thing. Oh about yeah, that go trade. ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, one one thing about that trade. Okay, it's not without risk because it, it, the one downside to this is is the extension, and it's on Gavrikov. If you don't extend Gavrikov, then you're back at square one with the Spectre lefty, and now you don't have that first round pick to wheel, uh, you know, before yeah. the, the draft. So there, there's it's it's look. You talk to people publicly and privately, a solid hockey trade. It's not without risk. It's not a no-brainer because you do have to sign that player. Maybe he likes it here. Maybe he signs an extension. But if not, then you then you have to look at lefty again, and you have one less asset to make a move. So that's my only thought, my only other thought on, on that trade. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, talked to a 30-plus-year Kings season ticket holder the other day who said, well, they paid too much in this deal. And I was like, well, hold on. You can't really evaluate the trade right now because not only do you not know how these two players are going to play, but you're also jumping to some wild conclusions. I said, let me tell you something. Let me ask you a question. If they signed him to a five-year contract this summer, then how would you feel about the deal? Because then it wasn't a rental deal. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I was eliminating the risk that you're talking about. So we can't really evaluate this trade. Uh, until later. In the moment, yes, good hockey trade to yeah, no improve the club in the short improve term. The team. This team is better today than they were a week ago. Now let's see what happens over the balance of the regular season, what happens in the playoffs, and let's see what happens in the summer from a contract extension perspective, and then we'll go from there. Yeah, agreed. You agree? Okay. Uh, let's talk about Aus- Australia real quick because we mentioned Jordan Spence there, um, and Jordan Spence would be part of the team to be able to go. So from what we understand, I've been I've been uh, tracking this down. I know Dave Pagnota has been reporting it uh, back since it feels like uh, September or maybe even last summer. Um, yeah. The Kings are 95% plus, uh, Dennis, from what I understand, going to Australia. They have worked out what the detail, what the, what the hangup was. They're going to Australia. Plan on going to Australia. So get your passport ready. Um, We're going to have to do Kings of the Podcast from Australia. Uh, There will be two games, from what I understand. It would be in Melbourne. Um, The the situation would be very similar to what they did in China. So if you want to go back and take a look, okay, well, who's going and how would it go? If you remember on the China deal, they they were able to get a special exemption waiver from the NHL in terms of the number of veteran players that would be allowed in the different games and how they kind of do things from a split squad perspective. So you could have uh, half the Kings team over in Australia playing and you could have another quote-unquote Kings team, which Mm -hmm. might be more similar to Ontario Reign players playing that same night up in San Jose or something in a, you know, in a a preseason game. But from what I understand, so the Kings are going to play two preseason games at home in Los Angeles. They will still play their uh, one game that they're contracted to play in Salt Lake City, and then Mm -hmm. they would play two preseason games uh, over in Australia 
plus a couple of other normal, quote unquote, normal road games as they usually would. So you're allowed to play a maximum of eight preseason games. The Kings will play seven or eight preseason games next year, including the two that happen over in Australia. Uh, there could be an announcement, from what I understand, as soon as sometime next week. That's that's the latest uh, that I have on Australia. I have, a, I have a question on the preseason. Are there any games scheduled to play in Ontario that I won't be going to? <laughs> uh, you know, that's a great question. I'll need to double check that. I actually do believe that they um, that they were scheduled to do that. Uh, the Australia thing might trump that. So let me go back and let me find out for you, Dennis. Okay. That's what I'm trying to get. At. And so now, John, you know how I'm going to get tripped. You're going to go to Australia. Yeah, but you're going to go to Ontario. Well, because right. there's traffic on the 60. That's why. Okay. There's no, now it's on the, on the 60. 10. Okay. You still don't know where Ontario is. You, you've taken the 210 the and you've taken the 60. Well, the 60 goes east and west, but the arena is off the 10 freeway, which runs oh. parallel to the 60. Uh, but it's not in- close to Irwindale. I, no, I still, just I need a Thomas guide. Remember you the do. Thomas guides? I Mac do. I, you do. Only, only one uh, third of our listeners know what the Thomas guide is. But See, yes, and that's the, Tom- the thing. I, when I put in Ontario <laughs> Arena in ways, it, nothing comes up. Well, because it's not called the Ontario in Arena. Goes, <laughs> you have to put in you know Toyota you know Arena. <laughs> what is I put say? in Toyota Arena. He goes. The response is, you don't want to go there. And then I, I just I just it wipe does. it off. Yeah, it does. Because you don't want to really go there. I'm like, you're right. Okay. Next. It is a beautiful building. Uh, and there's a lot of great things to go out and see, including the LA Kings prospects. Uh, and you have Sammy Hellenius, and you have Fagamo, and you have Granz, and you have all of these uh, young players. Guys that'll be... Look, Dennis... I can tell you there are a bunch of players out there that later on you're going to tell me that you need more from them. Uh, and so, and you're not going to be happy with their performance. So just, I would say yeah, stay away exactly. from Ontario, stay away from Ontario that's for as long doing. as you can so that we don't have to that's hear you doing. griping about it. That's, 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 that's exactly perfect. <laughs> you're doing us a favor. <laughs> stay yeah, away. I am doing myself a favor too, <laughs> but you know, so okay. for now. Let's, let's get this back on track. Um, okay. In addition to the trade, uh, of 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 Jonathan Quick and, and whatnot to Columbus, um, the Kings made another really interesting move. And I, I would say, I would go so far as to say, I applaud them because I like to see when people learn from their past mistakes. So let me let me lay this up for you. Please, yes, um, yes, you have. Yes. The, King, the Kings made a, a kind of under the radar trade uh, to get a huge goaltender, 6'6 goaltender, Eric Portillo. He was drafted in the third round by the Buffalo Sabres a couple of years ago. He's playing at the University of Michigan. He was named the uh, Big Ten goaltender of the year, and he won the Big Ten championship. And there's a whole bunch of stuff about Eric Portillo that's uh, on an article on mayorsmanner.com. Go and check it out. You'll see it there. But this is what I wanted to get at. You say, well, this player was not signed by the Buffalo Sabres, and so they traded his rights. Okay. Um, sometimes this is where it gets weird. You really have to understand rules of prospects. And I tried to uh, explain it in the article to make sure that people understood. Um, actually, David, one of our writers, wrote the article, so I don't want to take credit for it. But um, so we we tried to explain it. Um, when if you're a junior player, you can actually sign your entry level contract, and you can still go back junior. For so, for example, Brant Clark has been signed to an entry level contract. He's playing in the Ontario Hockey League. But by the way, he had a hat trick the other night. Um, now, if you're a college player, you can get drafted, and you can't sign a contract yet because you can't have a pro contract and be in collegiate sports. 
So it's your rights. The Kings mm -hmm. traded for his rights. And will you go, okay, well, how long do they own the rights? Well, you own the rights of a college player until such time that they are done playing college uh, hockey or when they're done enrolling in college, when they're done being a collegiate athlete. So at the end of their sophomore uh, or which is what Blake Lazat did at the end of your sophomore year. If you come out and turn pro, then you can sign a contract. If you, if, if you uh, come out after your junior year, you can sign a contract. If you, you know, whatever, if you play all the way to the end of your senior year, well, then at the end of that, then they basically have a time period, a couple months to sign you. And if not, they become an unrestricted free agent. So there is risk to borrow your word from earlier because there's no guarantee that Portillo will sign with the LA Kings. He told the Buffalo Sabres, essentially, he's not going to sign with them. He did not see a path to playing time. At the mm -hmm. end of the day, athletes want to play. They don't want to be on the sidelines. And so he looked right. at the depth chart of the Buffalo Sabres and said, thanks, but no thanks. I don't see a path to, to, to playing. So um, the Sabres wisely said, okay, well, then we're going to trade your rights. The Kings acquired those rights. And I say, what, what are they learning from their past mistakes? It's in the article that there have been a few unrestricted free agents or a few college free agents is really what they're called. There have been a few college free agents over the last couple of years that the Kings some in Kings management believed that they had the inside track to sign and that when that player came out, meaning uh, left college and turned pro, that they were going to be able to sign. Uh, Neil Pionk is one of those players. They believed that they had the inside track to sign Neil Pionk. He did not ultimately sign with the LA Kings. Came as a little bit of a shocker to me and several other people. They also believed that they had the inside track to sign White Cloud, uh, who ended up signing with Vegas. Came as a little bit of a surprise to me. Came as a surprise to several other people. Uh, so they got in front of it. They said, look, this kid Portello has already said he's not signing with the Sabres. So they started, you know, uh, scouting. They had interest in, in, in going, okay, well, when he gets to be a free agent, we're going to try to pitch him and we're going to try to sign him. And they said, well, here's a better idea. What are we even waiting for? Why are we going to wait until we're competing against everybody else? Let's go ahead. Sure. Let's trade for his rights. And then they can do the recruiting pitch. <clears throat> From what I understand, Dennis, when Michigan is done with their season, they have a big series against, uh, I believe it's Wisconsin this weekend, and then they have the Big Ten Championship, and then you have the Frozen Four, and then the college season is over. By April 15th, I would expect this kid to be a member of the LA Kings organization. I expect him to turn pro. I expect him to uh, sign a contract with the Kings. And you'd have a 6'6 goaltender playing for the Ontario Reign next year. You figure he probably would have a year or two uh, minimum uh, at the AHL level. So this is not somebody who's going to have an impact in the organization immediately. However, this is something that we'll be talking about. So remember the name Portillo and we'll be talking about him. You won't be seeing him with the Ontario Reign, but I'll give you updates and keep you uh, up, you know, apprised of the situation along the way, Dennis. Yeah, and, and look, here's the deal. They identified a player they wanted, and they paid the price for him. And it, it's an entirely different scenario, but it reminds me of what Julian Breezeboss said about Tanner Janot when he traded for him. He goes, we like this player. He fits it. I don't care what it costs. We need to add him to the team. And and to me, the one thing about this player, John, six foot six. I can't remember the last time they had a six foot six. You would probably know. I don't. But, but a goalie that size – I really like that as an ad in the pie. And they have to, and here's the thing. What, what would they have done with that third round pick? Maybe drafted a goaltender. So you get a possibly, guy has, but the problem, right. the problem with drafting a goaltender with that third round pick this year is that you're drafting an 18 year old in many situations. And right, here you're right. getting a 22 year old. Right. So, exactly. so from an age distribution standpoint, that, yep. that drafted player this year would come in later and they're ready sure. to start filling the pipeline now. Now. Yep. 
I get it. I totally get it. it, it it's a wise move. And it, it just, again, you identify a player and you just go pay the price and now you move on. Well, I think uh, congratulations to the LA Kings. Obviously, we have to hold off before we give official congratulations until a deal is signed because it does come with risk. He could refuse to sign with the LA Kings as well. And then they'll be right back to square one. And uh, at some point when he decides to turn pro and then would become a free agent. So a lot of conversation there. We did not talk about the number, by the way, uh, for Corpusalo. He's going to wear 70, which is the same number that he's worn throughout his career. There is only one other player in Dennis. You have to get this right. There's only one other player in LA Kings history to have worn number 70. Do you know who it is? Tanner Pearson. <laughs> okay, good. Thank you. Yeah, I had to get that one. Right. <laughs> you had to get that one, Dennis. You had to. Good it's job. Uh, there you go. Tanner goal. Pearson. So no goaltender has ever worn number 70. So uh, there you go. Right. So uh, th that's that's the end of that trade. Let's take a quick break. We're running a little bit long here, DB. We'll come back in the third period. We'll talk about uh, three trades the Kings made on Friday, and we'll talk about uh, their upcoming schedule and whatnot right after the break. To the third period of Kings of the Podcast with DB and the Mayor. Okay, third period, Kings of the Podcast. We're going to try to get this train back on the tracks. We we ran long in period one. We ran long in period two. We know we're supposed to be a 60-minute show, so we'll try to beat the final buzzer here and not go into overtime or even no go into the, no, into the fourth over. period there, Dennis. Yeah, you know fourth we're going Fourth period, over. let's go. The fourth yeah. period, there you go. Uh, all right, let's, uh, we're going to go in, we're going to go in sort of reverse order here. So one of the trades the LA Kings made on Friday is they moved Austin Wagner to the Chicago Blackhawks for future considerations. This is really a move designed to give Austin Wagner an opportunity uh, to take a, get a tryout for his next contract, if you will. He's in on the third year of a th three-year deal with the LA Kings. He's been playing for the Ontario Reign, or at least he's been on the roster. He uh, hasn't played since late January. And uh, um, so he needs to get some playing time. He's going to need to get it with another organization. Who knows what those future considerations end up being? Uh, it, it could just be... Nothing, really. That's the way future right. considerations work sometimes. Um, sure. And uh, Wagner will be a restricted free agent this summer. And so if the um, if the Blackhawks choose not to sign him, he then turns into an unrestricted sure. unrestricted free agent. Yeah. Uh, any, yeah. any thoughts about this trade at all, Dennis? I don't know why you would have thoughts, but I'll give you an opportunity anyway. Uh, there's a lot of spots open in Chicago. So if he's going to try to stay or get back to the NHL, it's a perfect place for him. There you go. Um, now, the Kings made another trade, again, an AHL-related trade. Uh, uh, Freddie Allard, who uh, was moved to the Montreal Canadiens uh, for a 24-year-old center, and Nate Schnarr. Schnar, uh, that's a tough one. And uh, he was teammate Schnarr. <laughs> he has to have a better nickname. Um, 
He was uh, maybe that's not the right pronunciation, Dennis. I don't know. We'll have to consult the uh, the official NHL media site for pronunciations on that. S C H N A R R has to be Schnar. That's um, Schnar. Yeah. He was in Guelph. He was in Guelph, uh, the Guelph Storm, former home of Dustin Brown and of Drew Doughty. Different years, they weren't on the same team. Uh, but Schnar was there with Sean Dursey, who we talked about earlier. They were together in 2019 when Durs won the OHL championship. Uh, and Schnarr was originally drafted by the Coyotes in the third round, uh, by the way. And uh, he's played with a couple different AHL teams, uh, three or four different organizations. And he's uh, brought in to uh, be a member of the Ontario Reign. And so he did not play on Friday night when they uh, took on the San Jose Barracuda, but he is in the organization now. So there you go. You move out a defenseman and you bring in, uh, you also bring in a kid who um, you could still have back next year as well. Uh, who knows how it'll all play itself out, Dennis. Any thoughts on that deal? Yeah. Zero thoughts. Let's move on. Perfect. Zero thoughts. So here we go. Uh, we had speculated on Kings of the Podcast episode 150 uh, last week prior to the trade deadline that in addition to going out and looking for a defenseman, uh, they would be looking for a bottom six forward with toughness, uh, perhaps a center uh, to give them some options there on the third and fourth line. It's kind of true to form. Uh, they did get that player. They were able to get Zach McEwen from the Flyers. Toughness, absolutely. Uh, while he mm -hmm. can play center, he likely won't. He likely will be a winger in Los Angeles. But Dennis, they moved out Brendan Lemieux to pick up a guy who is six foot three, two hundred and five pounds. Uh, there's a clip on the article that the team posted on Mayor's Manor uh, of him fighting Tom Wilson. Um, so to say that they picked up some toughness is pretty much an understatement, DB. Yeah, and. Uh or Irv Gaffar, who's based in Vancouver. Zach played in Vancouver, I think, for a couple of seasons. He's a really good kid. Quality guy. Will be really good in the room. And look, Lemieux, what can I tell you? Like, the first, what, 30, 40 games he was here, he was he was really good. He was productive. He scored goals. Got injured and was, frankly, never the same player. The effectiveness, for, for whatever reason, went away. So I certainly think um, they get that toughness, but they probably get toughness plus. Um, good move. Just Lemieux had his time. And now... Uh, our friend Earl Skakel texted me. He goes, can you imagine Tortorella with Tony D'Angelo and Brenda Lemieux like uh, on the same shift? Uh, what, you know, he'll be probably – his veins will be popping Oof. out of his neck. So, uh, you know, you wish the best to Lemieux. He's going to be unrestricted at the end of the season. We'll see where his career takes him. Absolutely. Uh, the Kings are also getting a player uh, from – PEI, Prince Edward Island. You don't get a lot yes. of uh, players from the no. Quebec League that are playing for the LA Kings and certainly not from uh, PEI. He's 25 years old. Uh, he is going to be a restricted free agent this summer. Uh, his qualifying offer would be 971. He does have arbitration rights, so the Kings could give him a qualifying offer. He could either choose to accept it mm -hmm. or he could go to arbitration. Yep. Uh, they could sign him to a extension outside of that. They don't have to give him a qualifying offer if they don't want to. So a lot to be worked out here. But basically, Dennis, this is a player that is going to give Todd McClellan options. When you think about the opponents and you think about Cassian and you think about Evander Kane mm -hmm. and taking some liberties last yeah. year, this is to counteract an Evander Kane, a Ryan Reeves, a Curtis McDermott, Milan Lucic, some of these type of players. Sure. You now have a heavyweight on the L.A. Kings who is going to make other teams think twice. This is not a pest. This is not an agitator. This is an equalizer, DB. Yeah, agreed. No no question. Okay, so no other thoughts on that. Let's move on. Those are the trades that took place today. Now, some people, Dennis, are a little bit uh, uh, curious, and others are a little more than that. They're upset. What, what happened? Rob Blake received all of this extra cap space. and why? Did, guys, it's not a fantasy hockey. It's not Xbox. <laughs> Look at the roster. First line, Dennis. 
You have Quentin Byfield, Anje Kopitar, and you have uh, Adrian Kempe, second line, Kevin Fiala, Phil Deneau. Uh, you have um, Victor Arvidsson, third line. You have Ayafalo playing with Lazat and playing with Velarde. Fourth line, mm-hmm. you have McEwen playing with uh, uh, Kapari, and uh, playing with uh, Grunstrom, playing with Jad, playing with Arthur Kaliev. They're right. full at forward. What do you want them to do? What are they going to go out and spend this cap space on? Yeah, they're not going to trade for Brock Bezer. Like, come on. So wh- who... who- at, at, on Friday, the guy that was at the top of the, the TFP tw- top 25 trade board was JVR. You're not trading for JVR. Like, what else? What else? You trade for John Klingberg, right? D? Uh, okay, you're not going to trade. There wasn't anybody left. It was like musical chairs. The music stopped. There's nobody else to trade for. Like, it, it's okay. Like, you're going to go to war. You're going to go to battle. They're right in the thick of things. The, they addressed the needs they had to with the Corpusalo and Gavrikov trade. I didn't see another trade coming. Yeah, Zach McEwen is a, a better alternative on the fourth line, but there was no other moves to make, John. I, I just didn't see a path towards a trade, a significant Yeah, one. they did kick the tires on some of those other players that were out there. We talked about them on the last one. One player that we didn't talk about that, from what I understand, they kicked the tires on, uh, it was Lars Eller, so there's a possibility there. But, you know, in Lars, you're talking about a 32-year-old, excuse me, a 33-year-old player. Uh, so certainly, you know, on the downside of his career, having uh, he's approaching a 1,000 games in the league, so it doesn't take anything away from him. I'm just saying they went with a 25-year-old player, different player, I understand people, but they totally went with different. a 25-year-old player who can give them some physical toughness, and they felt satisfied uh, with what they, were, what they were getting already with the rest of their roster. So this is the roster. They feel good about it. McClellan said that even prior to this trade. Um, they feel good about the roster, and so we'll have to see. They're better off today than they were a week ago, DB. No question. They're, they're an improved team. The, the, the trade, the, that trade made them better in two different areas. So you, And like I said, it's wide open. Now you watch Edmonton play, and now they're, they're wiping out Winnipeg. But look, they can win the division, and I've said this before, they can get out of the West. The one X factor is Colorado. How healthy is Colorado going to be? And even if they're fully healthy, they're not as scary as they were last year. Like, not, like Lars Eller that you mentioned, is there two, maybe three C, or it's JT Comfer? Like, that's not great stuff. And you talk about making a trade for Lars Eller, but you're going Kopitar, uh, Deneau, Lazat, and Raz. And Raz, you know, he may he be, be more important than a fourth-line center because he kills penalties. The penalty kill's been better. Um, so, yeah, I, I just – I think at this point, I look, I've said it like a thousand times over the last week. I picked the Kings to win the division on SiriusXM. I'm not coming off that because I, I think that they're improved. That the, the schedules, and you'll talk about that, is in their favor. They play a lot of non-playoff teams. The opportunity is there to win it, right? But if they don't win it, they can still get through because it's wide open this Western Conference. All right, so very quickly, a couple of comments on the Montreal game. Uh, mine would just be, it started out the way that I think I was concerned about, which is that yeah. it was kind of some low energy coming off the long road trip. Also, the emotions of the the trades sure. and everything that had taken place. But eventually, the Kings were able to find their footing, get their get their game going a little bit there. And uh, they ultimately, it seemed like once they scored that first goal, it kind of opened things up and they they were mm-hmm. ready to go. Yeah. McClellan said it happened two shifts before that. He saw a change. You have to love the coaches. They always see it before we do. But he <laughs> saw a change. He knew it was coming. And then um, the Kings were able to close that game out, even though it was a 3-1 game and it looked like they were going to coast to, a, to a, you know, a nice win. In typical Kings fashion, they made everybody sweat a little bit, made it a 3-2 game. But you throw Gavrikov out there and uh, with Matt Roy, I believe, and, and you figure it out. Yeah, didn't love the second goal Gurianov scored. You know, it was a big shot, but it was from distance. But yeah, you would. I think if they replay that game next week, John, 
like without the emotion of the quick trade and not come off a road trip, you probably win that game 5-1. And there was a stretch there for like 10 or 12 minutes where Montreal didn't get a shot. They're, they're almost like an AHL roster at this point in time. So that was not a guaranteed win, but as close as guaranteed as you are. And yeah, closer than you'd like. But again, at 3-1, they had it in hand. They made it a little closer to give people a little bit of agita in the stands. But that's what this team does. The Canadian, the Canadians might have been fielding an AHL roster, but they might as well have had Patrick Waugh in goal because Dennis, that game very easily could have been five to one last night. Yeah, Jake Allen played very, very well. He really did. Yep, that's his name, Jake Allen. That was the guy in net. I would have yeah, sworn it was Allen. Patrick Waugh. Okay, yeah, <laughs> uh, he did One everything overall, short of thirty four, thirty three. Exactly. Well, he did everything short of winking at Tomas Sandstrom. Um, so, what's up next for the LA Kings? Saturday night at home, downtown LA, taking on the St. Louis Blues. Monday, Ovi and the Washington Capitals making their annual visit to Los Angeles. Then you get the one weird game. It's the weird game because it's out of LA, Dennis. Next Thursday, they're going to be in Colorado, and then it's back home for a whole series of games. You get the Nashville game, which is good because you get Arvidsson's revenge going. You get the Islander game. That'll be interesting given how the two teams played each other uh, back on Long Island uh, a week or two back. Mm -hmm. Then you get the Columbus game, which looked like a big game, now looks like a nothing game from a Jonathan Quick standpoint, but it certainly will be for 84 and 70. I'm going to go on. I'm going to go out on a limb here, Dennis. I don't know what the goaltending rotation is going to be, but on Thursday, March 16th, write this down. The starting goaltender for the LA Kings is going to be number 70 uh, <laughs> for the LA Kings that night. What do you think? I would tend to agree with you that Jonas Corpusal okay. probably starts against Columbus. Okay. And then you have the games against Vancouver and Calgary. And then for the final game against Winnipeg, or not the final game, but the game against Winnipeg on Saturday, March 25th, that is the alternate jersey night. So you get the chrome helmets that night. Um, by the way, don't ever go to Winnipeg, Dennis, because not only did Gretzky, not only did Alec Martinez uh, and Jonathan Quick, all, three players, they got traded uh, at, around games in Winnipeg. So don't go to Winnipeg, Dennis, or you might get traded from Kings of the Podcast. Okay, you just, yeah, I might wind up on a Flyers podcast, but you just jinxed it now. So now it's going to be Jets, Kings, Western Conference Final, John. <laughs> uh, well, playoffs are fine because you can't get traded. So that'd be fine. Okay. We can go to Winnipeg then. Um, but basically, okay. starting tomorrow, they're going to begin a stretch. So tomorrow or Saturday, excuse me, Saturday begins with St. Louis and then it ends with St. Louis before they go on the road yeah. on a road trip that you might be going on. Why? I have no idea uh, who wants to go to Calgary and Edmonton. But um, so St. Louis and St. Louis and in between there, they play a bunch of other teams. The highlight has to be Alex Ovechkin coming into town next Monday uh, with the Washington Capitals, I would imagine, DB. Yeah, but John, there's a lot of winnable games there. They're going to be favored in, in almost all those games. And if you want to do, if you really want to get some revenge, you win those two games against Calgary and you put the nail in the coffin and, in, in the flames because they're now, I think, and I mentioned this to Todd on Thursday night, um, they're 11 points clear of the ninth place team. So the Kings going to make the playoffs, but I think there would be extra joy to, to win those two games and, and see the flames not in the playoffs this season. To watch the uh, Sutter and Calgary, watch them flame out. Is that what you're saying? Are you writing I'm the headline right now? No, I got a I'm better one say for you. I got oh, a better one from you. You're gonna if they miss the playoffs, and for some reason they make a change behind the bench. Daryl went from Jack Adams to hit the road Jack. <laughs> <laughs> Don't quit your day job. <laughs> I can't wait for that. That's going to be my headline. From Jack okay. Adams to hit the road, Jack. <laughs> there you go. Uh, St. Louis Blues, Washington Capitals, and then a quick roadie up to Colorado. The LA Kings, they need to pile up some points. Uh, and as uh, Gabe Velarde told me the other night, 
playoff teams are expected to win on home ice. And that's what the LA Kings mindset needs to be right now. They need to take care of home ice. They need to make it a difficult building to play in like it used to be in the glory days. And if the Kings have uh, their sight set on first place in the Pacific division, now is the time to do it. So DB, thanks for the trade uh, debrief. Thanks for doing the post trade deadline recap. It was a lot of fun. And uh, Hey, make sure that you start getting your plans in order to go to Australia. Yeah, exactly. Ready for the stretch run, John? 19 game plan. All right, everybody. There's your emergency. We have to do it now. Kings of the podcast breakdown of the trade deadline. We love all of you guys. We'll talk to you later.